chapter twelve of finding a way out an autobiography by robert r moton this librivox recording is in the public domain forward movements in the south the years since the civil war have seen the race problem come to the point where it may be discussed without the passion and prejudice which for so many years were characteristic of many who essayed to deal with it i recall an experience of mine of some twenty years ago when a prominent southern clergyman dropped into my office at hampton institute one evening and we fell into a rather frank and somewhat heated discussion of certain phases of the race question at the end of something like a hour and a half of earnest conversation it was apparent as was to be expected that we did not wholly agree upon some aspects of the question but as we parted he turned to me and said major moton our conversation may have struck you as rather unpleasant in some of its features but for fear that it may discourage you in your efforts to promote harmony between your race and mine i want to say that i think we are both to be congratulated on the fact that i have reached the point where it is possible for me to discuss this question with you or with any other colored man there are a great many such people in the south to-day and this attitude has become much more general than most people who do not come in touch with the situation realize many forces have been operating more or less quietly but none the less effectively to bring about this change of attitude toward this one-time delicate and embarrassing problem for there was a time when most southern white men felt that there was nothing about the question of the negro to discuss with anybody and especially with persons white or black whose opinions were likely to differ from their own for a great many years i entertained the idea that while the southern man thought logically and clearly on economic political religious and other questions affecting the welfare and progress of the country here was one question upon which he did not think at all but rather felt that on this matter he had definite fixed opinions about which argument was unnecessary and upon which nothing further could be said but no one can justly entertain that idea about southern white men as a whole to-day while they still feel strongly on many points concerning the relations of the two races there are increasingly large numbers in all parts of the south who are thinking both logically and seriously on all points touching race relationships with a sincere desire to bring about such a happy and wholesome adjustment as will be fair and just to both races on the other hand it was true at one time that the great majority of colored people had very little confidence 
in the ability or even the desire of the average southern white man to approach this question without bias and in consequence looked with suspicion upon any profession of friendliness or goodwill toward the black man that came from that source dr washington in his early career was frequently criticized by members of his own race for his freely expressed confidence in the genuineness of the southern white man's friendship for the negro but in late years the negro's confidence in his white neighbor here in the south has grown to the point where he is turning more naturally to the southern white man in the confident hope that together they will work out without prejudice or suspicion the great human problems that confront them throughout the south the colored people are bringing directly and officially to the attention of the public the palpably inadequate provisions for the education of their children and are meeting with an increasingly sympathetic and encouraging response both from the state and from private citizens this change in attitude on the part of both races has come about not through indifference and neglect and the proverbial working of time but as a result of certain carefully thought out and deliberately planned movements in which northern white men southern white men and negroes have wisely and bravely cooperated movements which i have sometimes felt have been very much misunderstood and the value of whose service to the south and to the nation has been greatly underestimated among the first of these was the conference for education in the south inaugurated by a few men northerners and southerners who met in a little hotel in the mountains of west virginia which conference was presided over by the hon william l wilson of tariff fame and at one time president of washington and lee university this conference emphasized the necessity of educating all the children of the south in the years that followed this movement brought it together such men as mr robert c ogden who became one of america's great educational statesmen mr william h baldwin jr who here received the inspiration for the general education board of which he was the first chairman mr john d rockefeller jr who with his father liberally supported the movement in its development mr edgar gardner murray of alabama secretary of the conference until his death president edwin alderman of the university of virginia mr george foster peabody of new york dr j d eggleston now president of hampton sydney college of virginia dr h b frissell of hampton institute mrs b b munford one of virginia's most distinguished women dr walter h page late ambassador of america to great britain a genuine and unaffected american and dr wallace buttrick for many years secretary now president of the general education board i doubt if any movement in america has accomplished more in creating sentiment or has so strongly affected public appropriations for education as a result of this movement one state alone erected in the neighborhood of seventy high schools in a single year while in a few years appropriations for education in southern states 
were increased by more than sixteen million dollars there is also a close and intimate connection between this conference and the establishment of the general education board which in supporting the farm demonstration movement introduced by dr seaman a knapp and in its present program of providing supervisors for rural schools in cooperation with state and county boards of education in the south and making direct appropriations to selected educational institutions is sowing the seed of educational and economic advancement in the field which was prepared by the labors of this group of distinguished and public-spirited men and women who constituted the conference for education in the south the very substantial service which the general education board is rendering will become increasingly apparent with the years another force that has been very effective in bringing about a better understanding and a greater measure of confidence between the races is the negro rural school fund anna t jeans foundation this organization is unique in the fact that on its official board of negroes northern white men and southern white men are mutually sharing the responsibilities of a constructive program of education in the south which makes possible an active cooperation of the races in educational matters which by many was not previously thought possible the unique personnel of this board i have no doubt was made possible as a result of the sentiment created by the conference for education in the south and the activities of the general education board it was through dr fussell and dr washington that this fund was established and to them miss jeans entrusted the responsibility for the organization of its board these gentlemen united in the selection of dr james h dillard dean of tulane university new orleans as president and associated with him were of course dr washington and dr fussell and such men as mr andrew carnegie bishop abraham grant of the a m e church chancellor david c barrow of the university of georgia mr robert l smith a negro banker of texas dr talcott williams of the pulitzer school of journalism dr samuel c mitchell then of the university of south carolina and now president of delaware college mr george mckinney of new york and mr j napier lawyer and banker of nashville tennessee the hon william h taft at that time secretary of war was also a member of the board and later on becoming president of the united states invited the board to hold its annual sessions in the cabinet room of the white house as secretary of the board from the beginning it was to me a source of continual encouragement to witness the fine spirit with which these men approached not only the problems of education but also the problems affecting the whole life of the negro and the south following the death of dr washington and dr frissell successively chairman of the executive committee it has fallen to my lot to discharge the duties of chairman when dr dillard was asked to become president and general agent of the foundation there was considerable scepticism as to the wisdom of such a course dr dillard being a southerner born in virginia and for many years professor in a prominent educational institution in louisiana there was considerable doubt on the part of many whether the best interests of the colored people would be served by the selection of such a man to become the executive officer of a movement designed especially to help in the educational development of the negro the history of the movement since that time 
has abundantly justified the wisdom of the choice it would be hard to find a man anywhere in america who has displayed more tact thoughtfulness patience and courage in dealing with the intricate and delicate problems that one must meet in striving to adjust race relations in the south than has dr james hardy dillard growing out of his activities with the jeans fund he was later asked to administer the john f slater fund a similar foundation established earlier for the promotion of education among negroes the handling of these two funds has enabled him to touch large numbers of negro school teachers in every part of the south who are helped encouraged and inspired by his kindly and sympathetic yet sober and deficient approach to the problems of educating a race generally eager to learn but often like others mistaken in its ideas of what education really means he has had associated with him two men one colored and one white mr w t b williams and mr b c caldwell both of whom have much the same spirit as dr dillard himself these three men have set an example for the entire country of the way in which it is possible for black and white men in the south to work together with entire self-respect and to win the respect confidence and appreciation of the people of both races dr dillard from the beginning saw what is becoming more and more evident to thoughtful workers among colored people that there can be no substantial and permanent improvement in the condition of the negro in the south without a serious and sympathetic effort to create among southern white people an intelligent interest in the condition and needs of the colored people by whom they are surrounded and who form so important and indeed an indispensable part of the life of the south the university race commission composed of certain professors in each southern state university represents the practical application of these ideas in the most important educational circles of this section these gentlemen for several years have conducted a serious and painstaking study of actual conditions existing among negroes in their several localities and have used the results of their study in connection with the university courses in sociology each year the commission has issued a statement setting forth the results and conclusions of the year's study which is widely circulated in southern publications as well as in other parts of the country and has had a strong influence in shaping the thought and opinion of educated men and women in the south toward the negro along with the movements already referred to the young men's christian association has fostered a plan under the direction of dr w d weatherford whereby large classes and most southern educational institutions have been organized for the study of the race question using textbooks prepared by dr weatherford himself and other literature issued by other organizations pertaining to this same subject in support of this project the phelps stokes fund has established fellowships in certain of these institutions for the extended study of this question by young white men of university training who are looking forward to a field of service in the larger development of the south in many of these communities there has grown out of this movement a group of young college men who are dealing with the question not only from a conventional academic viewpoint but by direct and immediate contact with welfare activities among negroes in much the same way that led dr john little of louisville kentucky and others of like spirit to devote their lives to work among colored people 
there have been among women also strong movements to bring about a larger sympathy and cooperation between the women of the two races in the south it is not infrequent that colored women are asked to address audiences of white women on this subject under the auspices of such organizations as the young women's christian association state federations of women's clubs and the women's auxiliaries of the various denominations few people know of the great service that mrs l h hammond an executive secretary of the southern publicity committee is rendering the general movement for interracial cooperation by putting before the public through the southern press the hopeful constructive things that white people and black people are doing together thereby doing much to offset the wide publicity that is often given to instances of friction between individuals of the two races which are by no means so common as the instances in which they cooperate i have not been officially connected with all of these movements but it has nevertheless been my privilege and a source of much personal satisfaction frequently to be called into counsel concerning their plans and policies and to interpret to the best of my knowledge not only the feelings of my own people but also what is sometimes more difficult their desires and aspirations most conspicuous perhaps among this type of activities is the southern sociological congress whose operations were made possible for a number of years through the interest and generosity of mrs anna russell cole of augusta georgia this organization usually meets once each year at which time an opportunity is given to representative white and colored people for the free and candid discussion of any phase of the race question which the events of the year have brought into prominence i have had the privilege of appearing before this congress on more than one occasion and have been deeply impressed with the sincerity and sanity of its deliberations among its presiding officers have been men of the type of ex-governor w h mann of virginia bishop theodore d bratton of mississippi and ex-governor b w hooper of tennessee its secretary from the beginning has been dr j e mcculloch formerly of nashville who has been untiring in his efforts to make it a constructive force in furthering unselfish cooperation between the races more recent than any of these is a movement fraught with great possibilities for removing racial friction organized in the city of atlanta just before the close of the war by representative white men from all the southern states under the leadership of a group of men among whom were mr john j egan a prominent banker of atlanta dr m ashby jones a baptist minister of the same city dr william lewis poteet president of wake forest college in north carolina dr robert h mccaslin a presbyterian minister of montgomery alabama and dr charles w chrysler of mississippi in this movement a group of white men is working with a similar group of colored men who together are quietly and effectively organizing like groups of both races in every state and county and city in the south this movement is made possible by the financial assistance and cooperation of the war work council of the y m c a the cooperation of such colored men as president john hope of morehouse college atlanta professor r b hudson secretary treasurer of the national baptist convention mr harry h pace secretary treasurer of the standard life insurance company 
mr isaac fisher editor of the fisk university news and dr h h proctor of the first congregational church atlanta with such white men as i have mentioned above ensures the vital character of the interest which these men have in the progress and development of the south this group of substantial southern men in a way that is not true of any other of these movements has organized with the avowed intention of securing for the negro in every community fair and just treatment under the law as well as an equitable share in all those privileges and benefits for which he is taxed as a citizen though the movement is still in the early stage of development definite results are already manifesting themselves in quite another way there is a tendency toward greater consideration especially on the part of many large manufacturing establishments for the welfare of their colored employees in these plants may be found what are known as efficiency men whose business it is to look after the morale of the colored workers the efficiency man has access at any time to the highest official of the plant to whom he is directly responsible and to whom he is privileged to bring any matter pertaining to the welfare of these employees that in his judgment might increase their efficiency and thereby contribute to the advancement of the company's interests i think now of the tennessee coal and iron company with headquarters at birmingham alabama and establishments in other parts of the south which has for some time employed mr melvin j chisholm at a comfortable salary to render this kind of service for the company he has the confidence of both the employees and the management and this company has found that it is good business to have a strong level-headed and conscientious colored man to deal directly with its colored workers i was told by the president of one establishment that such an official had reduced the friction by more than fifty per cent that the men were working much more regularly and that the labor turnover or shifting had been similarly lessened out of these organized movements there has grown up in almost every community a group of white and colored men who cooperate in an unorganized way in the prevention of much misunderstanding and friction and the protection of the interests of the entire community colored men coming from the north into these communities have often been surprised by the cordial way in which they have been received by prominent southern men who have talked freely with them on many phases of this human problem i remember that mr fred r moore editor of the new york age not long ago visited many parts of the south and interviewed men of both races in many walks of life among these was an ex-governor to whom negroes outside of the local community would hardly have turned in their difficulties he went into the interview prepared for almost anything and was greatly surprised at the apparent cordiality with which he was received and the perfect candor with which they talked of the difficulties facing the races many other men are having similar experiences all of which show the hopefulness of present-day events in the south twenty-five years ago such experiences would have been very rare but to-day they are the rule rather than the exception but in many ways the most significant and substantial of these forward movements in the south and one that is touching more people and vitalizing more interests than any other movement of its character is the 
rosenwald school-building project this movement began when mr julius rosenwald one of america's most distinguished citizens and philanthropists already referred to as one of our tuskegee trustees put into the hands of dr washington a sum of money sufficient to make an experiment in school-building in six rural communities of alabama dr washington felt that with a few hundred dollars from outside sources he could encourage the colored people and induce the white people by private contributions and official appropriations to add to mr rosenwald's gift a sum sufficient to erect and equip a modern one-teacher school building for negroes in each of these communities mr rosenwald was so well pleased with the success of this experiment that at the present time he is providing a budget of something like one hundred and forty thousand dollars a year for the building of rural schools for negroes in eleven southern states in four years seven hundred and twenty schools have been built under the supervision of mr c j calloway director of the extension department of tuskegee institute at a cost of one million one hundred and thirty three thousand eighty three dollars of which some three hundred and thirty seven thousand one hundred and ninety two dollars represents public appropriations eighty eight thousand four hundred and forty five dollars private contributions from white people to four hundred and thirty thousand three hundred and eighty one thousand dollars the gifts of colored people and two hundred and twenty seven thousand sixty five dollars the gift of mr rosenwald it will thus be seen that the beneficence of mr rosenwald has produced an additional sum of nine hundred and six thousand eighteen dollars all of which has gone directly into the providing of improved facilities for negro education in the south another result of the rosenwald movement larger and more important is the awakened sense of greater responsibility for negro education not only on the part of public school authorities but on the part of the southern people in general for more adequate educational provision for negroes an indirect but no less significant result of the movement has been the added stimulus given to education in general in the south which is bringing increased appropriations for this purpose in almost every community these rosenwald schools are not merely schoolhouses in the ordinary sense but they are community centres from which influences radiate into all the avenues of negro life and where not infrequently both white and coloured people meet for the consideration of matters affecting the general welfare of the community it was my privilege recently to share in such a gathering in north alabama where the principal of the white high school suspended the regular school work and brought his faculty and entire student body to the dedication of one of these rosenwald schools which had been recently completed through the united efforts of citizens of both races it was one of the most interesting and helpful meetings in which it has been my pleasure to participate the multiplying of such centres throughout the south as mr rosenwald is doing is setting in motion a sentiment for interracial goodwill and cooperation out of which there must ultimately come the larger freedom and greater justice for which all true americans are striving i have taken some pains thus to recount certain forward-looking movements that are outstanding in their effect on our southern life in doing so i have not been unmindful of the injustice discrimination and unfair treatment which my people are all too often obliged to face to a greater or less extent in all parts of the country but i am here trying to fix attention upon those strong and ever-widening currents of constructive endeavour which 
move forward with a swiftness that accentuates the eddies of passion and prejudice which appear along their course in all the years of my experience i have found that a great deal more is accomplished when one does not permit himself to dwell overmuch upon the difficulties and discouragements which he encounters but keeps constantly before his mind those forces and influences which make for the removal of the very obstacles which often hamper his progress knowing as i do the inner workings of these movements which i have described and the character and spirit of the men behind them i am satisfied that we have in them a force and an influence making for righteousness that cannot be defeated we all realize that the patient loyalty and self-denying devotion of the black man in america should have brought him more of the blessings and privileges of the civilization which his labor has helped to reconstruct and his valor has helped to preserve nevertheless in the forty years that have passed since i envied sam reed his place in the big house at pleasant shade and was unwittingly stung into reflection by my erstwhile friend ernest morton i have seen changes in the situation and condition of my own race as well as in my own life such as the most sanguine of that day would hardly have predicted little did i think as i played with george denny the son of a presbyterian minister on the red hills of piedmont virginia that forty years later i would be working in cooperation with dr george h denny the president of the university of alabama he among his people training the youth of his race to a clearer understanding of and a broader sympathy with all humanity and i among my people training as best i may the youth of my race to greater fortitude and a larger faith in themselves than in other selves and to-day i do not know of any work that offers larger returns or more satisfactory results to conscientious endeavor than the privileges that is granted to some of us to work with the people of our own race in cooperation with men and women of other races in the solution of these very human problems which all men have faced in one form or another in all ages of the world's history and nowhere would i rather be found working than right here in alabama where the standards of such work have been set so high by a great soul of my own people whose spirit still inspires the labors of both races in their efforts to bring men to that goodwill which is the highest hope of humanity end of chapter twelve end of finding a way out an autobiography by robert r moton